Ça va? All right, what's going on, Fight fans? Raj Gulardi here, bringing you the Call to Violence MMA show. So thank you guys for answering. Uh, not only is the violence back in your life, but we got the fart sucker himself, Mike Connerton, back with us today. Mike, what's going on, dude? I'm just sucking fart. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, it's hot as shit. You got to go back to work, but all is right in the fight game. Uh, as we had a great night of fights this past Saturday, and we have another great uh, fight card this weekend. So let's jump right into things. So this past weekend, we had um, UFC fight night blades versus volkov um you know uh curtis blades coming in started strong but uh you know kind of tapered off there at the end and uh um you know having a lot of controversy post fight because he talked a lot of shit going in but uh ultimately but got the no, job done he he said exactly what he was talking shit but he said he was gonna do exactly what he did he literally said, if you didn't want to see that, don't tune in. No. So, I mean, he talked shit, but he said he was going to do exactly what he did. He didn't say he was going to go knock him out all crazy. He said, I'm going to freaking take him down over and over. And he did. <laughs> it's it's just, it, 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 it's, it sucks because, he yeah. He he was going to ragdoll him, though. And he, one of them, I guess, was kind of a slam, but. <laughs> you know, it, it just sucks because it's like, you know, that was a great performance. And, um, you know, he did everything he was supposed to do. Like, I don't know. Like, and I don't, he said he was gonna do like, I, I was hating listening to a lot of uh, MMA podcasts and a lot of recaps because they were like, oh, well, he should have gone in and finished it. And, he, and it's like, dude, you, like, I'm sure he did. Like, yeah. I'm sure he did want to go in there and finish it and put a stamp yeah. on it. But, but Volkov, he's not going to, like, put himself in danger trying to do it when it's not there. Yeah. And Volkov <laughs> isn't like, it, it's not like yeah, Volkov was giving him putt. anything easy. He's not uh, a putt. Dude, dude has a very, very strong defensive guard. Obviously, his stand-up, you know, defensively is great. It his takedown defense late came came about, but obviously early it was not anything. Um, obviously, showed some really good get-ups late too. And I like we were talking about in the preview. Um, you know, if uh, if Volkov can withstand early and make it to the later rounds and start defending takedowns and Curtis Blades gets tired. He has a real opportunity. Nah. Curtis Blades ended up shooting all that stuff down because Volkov, I mean, Volkov both still... exhausted by that yeah. point. It's like, okay, you weathered the storm, but now you're both tired, so you both can't do nothing. I mean, Curtis Blades was so tired, he couldn't even do the post-fight interview. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was insane. You know, but it just sucks because it puts Curtis in a weird position because... He's going to have to take another fight, even though he's right there. UFC is definitely not going to give him a, a title shot because no. he, still, he still is 0-2 against Ngannou. He doesn't des and he doesn't deserve one before Ngannou, especially no, due no. to the fact that he's lost to him twice. <laughs> especially because he's lost him twice, and emphatically. And the second yeah. time's quicker than the first time. Yeah. Um, so he still has a lot to ground to cover. But what's interesting is he's a bad matchup for the rest of those guys in that heavyweight division. I mean... Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, he's going to be, he's kind of the dark horse now. Uh, and I don't know who, guys will sign up to fight him because a win over him probably propel them quicker to a title shot. Mm -hmm. But man, that's a handful. That is, I mean, a lot of people were, were giving him shit about his cardio. But it's like, dude, 
for that kind of a game plan at heavyweight, like, mm-hmm. how much... I'm, there's only one heavyweight that's ever been Kane able... Velasquez. Exactly. There's only ever been one heavyweight that's been able to do that, and it's Kane. And so I just don't know exactly how much better his cardio can get. I mean, he's a professional athlete. I'm sure he can get it to wherever, but... Can he it's maintain that? It's so hard that? to keep it at that it, elite that, level because you got to be working hard no, to keep it there. Exactly. And you can't do it all the time. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, he's gonna have to start taking fights. Like, right, you can't be in a freaking fight camp for the rest of your life. <laughs> at the end of it, like, yeah. I mean, especially weighing 265 pounds, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, so, if he's just gonna sit there waiting for a shot. That could come at any point if somebody backs out of a fight or whatever, then he's not going to be in the tip top shape that he needs to be to fight that fight. <laughs> he has to have that planned out. Yeah, he's uh, he's in a real sticky spot, and I I don't envy his spot pretty much. Like I, I definitely don't envy where he's at mm-hmm. right now. Um, but we'll kind of see where that goes. Volkov, on the other hand, even though he lost. He I think good he, at the end. He had, I think, I mean, yeah, he got out-wrestled. He knows what he needs to work on. But I think the like the foundation of his game is there. And what's funny is, is he actually has a lot more exciting matchups on the rest of that division than Blades does. I mean, I know a lot of the heavyweights are getting kind of um, filled out right now. But, I mean, you got Overeem. Overeem's coming off of a win. You could do Overeem, Volkov. Uh, Walt Harris just got beat by... Overing, but you could if you want to do two losers coming or two guys popping up the heavyweight too yeah i mean he's already set with uh fabricio but um i mean and and let's just say volkov wants some time to work on his takedown defense you know uh he could wait for the winner of um jds and rosenstrike i mean there's a lot of good fights stuff happen for sure a lot of good fights for volkov to take unfortunately for blades i don't really know where he goes from here and then in the co-main event of Saturday's card, we had uh, Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos just go to town on each other. Dude, that fight was amazing. I was so happy with that fight. That was definitely, could have been a fight of the year other than the Joanna fight. That's gonna I, I was going to say, I mean, it has some stiff competition. Uh, yeah, from, and from the Gagey fight. I mean, it's yeah. All, but I mean, yeah, there's been good. some great fights this year. If but it was the, a five-rounder, it would be there. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know if Shane could have gone two more rounds. Yeah, he probably would have got. It would have been over. Man, and it's just his chin was was holding up that whole fight. So and then was just, uh, Ferguson's, and then yeah. it, then he just starts wearing on him, and they can't help it. I mean, in in <laughs> what take blows like that over and over. What's crazy is post fight we find out that Emmett actually com- completely not a minor tore but completely tore his ACL, and it just I mean. Go back and watch that fight, guys, because the amount of entries Emmett and the amount of distance Emmett had to cover in order to get inside and to land those shots and to do that on one leg, that is so inspiring. Just amazing. He's a beast. I have no idea how he did that. And especially if he knew after the first round that his leg was shot, and I don't know if it was due to him planting weird on a shot entering weird or if it had to do with Those the leg kicks. kicks i think it was the calf kicks i mean and i'm sure it's like a, a mix of it all but it's just i mean to have the wherewithal just to keep Shh. pushing over and over and over again and to not and just to i mean 
I mean, even though he won that first round, it was close. Like, it was super close. And then he was really getting beaten up that second round. So instead of getting discouraged, dude just put it into another gear and just said, all right, this is it. I got to win it here. And, you and know. he came out with a 10-8 round. I thought, man, he. And one other judge thought that, too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't. if that's not a 10-8, I really don't know what is. That was brutal. Um, And, and we were talking, because we actually, we watched these fights together. But Shane Burgos, huge for huge. 145. Nice. Because, I mean, Emmett, I've always thought of Emmett being a big 145-er, and he, dwar- and uh, Shane Burgos dwarfed Emmett. No. I mean, completely, bigger all around everywhere. completely dwarfed him. Um, so even though Emmett comes away with the win, I feel like with that complete ACL tart, he's going to be out till mid-next year. Probably. I mean, yeah, that's he's... not an easy, and there was other little tears in there on top of the ACL. <sighs> he tore, like, one of his meniscus or something like that along with it, so... Yeah, he's going to be out for a minute. I'm he's going to be out for a really long time. So it's, I almost feel he like. He's going to get with Tony Ferguson. Yeah, to heal from a knee surgery in four weeks. <laughs> I just wonder, I, I wonder if even though Burgos came up short, because he didn't walk away with any severe injuries, if he will actually build more momentum before Emmett comes back. Well, yeah, just because he's going to be out for so long, no one's going to be talking about him no exactly Shane can come out and win a couple fights and be right back there <laughs> so it's and be his comeback fight. <laughs> that's what i'm saying like like if if things work out correctly and burgos goes on another good streak we could see this fight again next year as emmett's return fight which whew, that's a tough fight to come back to Yeah, that's not nothing i would want to look forward to hell no <laughs> hell no not not at all i just uh it was just, it, it was just a crazy fight, and so it sucks that we have to put Emmett on ice now instead of him building off of the momentum off yep. that fight. Because if you look at it, the winner of that fight's right right up there with next in line at 145. I mean, I don't see yep. I don't see I mean there can't be too many names in front of him. I know there's Sabit, there's Calvin Cater, but Emmett is right there. Oh, Emmett dude. is right there. He's on a tear. And Burgos is not too far behind. Um, but let's see here. Let's see what was what was next on that card. If I can bring it up here. Here we go. Uh, so on. Uh, oh, actually, what we should probably we, what we should have started with is the the card opener. We got Austin Austin Hubbard and uh, Max uh, Roken Rokinoff Ro, Rajanov or something like that. Uh, but anyways, uh, Max takes this fight on like 10 days notice. Um, only, uh, what is it? He was uh, 5-0, and taking on a guy who was 11-4. Uh, and So had this guy had way more experience than him. Uh, there was a lot of hype around Max coming in. Has a great first round, a great showing in the first round. Gas is out. Austin comes back in the second, really puts a beating on Max. And then Max decides that's all he wants going into the third uh, and decides he doesn't want to continue. Um, and all the controversy came around uh, with his coach, Robert Drysdale, who is a, a really, really accomplished jiu-jitsu practitioner. Um, Frank Mir's main training partner in jiu-jitsu. Um, I think he was one of the one of the head jiu-jitsu guys at Extreme Couture for a while. So really well-known in the MMA and grappling space. But uh, he came under fire because he was trying to push Max back into the fight. And so now there's a lot of controversy of whether he should have done that or not. So I'll, I'll toss it to you. Um, what is your perspective of this whole incident? 
I feel like he is a new fighter. That's his UFC debut, and he doesn't have much experience. He took the fight on short notice, like really short notice. What was it, five days? or Yeah, so I don't see anything wrong with this, and I don't think it really makes him look that bad. I mean, he took an opportunity on short notice. He probably hasn't been training. Like, no other promotions are fighting, so he wasn't trying to... He wasn't in a camper, like, working out hard because nobody else has anything going on. And then he just gets a call. He was going to be on the Contender Series, I think, later this year. No, I didn't know that. I read. And he ended somebody, or, yeah, short notice fight popped up, and his manager called and said he wanted to take it. And so his manager did his job, got him a fight early in the UFC, didn't even have to fight for it on the Contender Series. But... It just kind of backfired on him because he wasn't in a good enough shape for it. But I don't think it really hurts his hurts him. He's still super young. Like whatever. Yeah, I don't think anyone's <laughs> arguing. If he's you know, doing that after a full camp, then yeah, it's a little bit different. Then it's nah, different. Right, that's a lot different. <laughs> but what, uh, what's your take on his coach trying to push him into the third round? Do you feel like? He was out of line, or do you feel like he was just being a coach trying to encourage his guy? I feel like this would be one of the only times where I agree with Chael Sonnen. The dude said he didn't want to fight, and the dude didn't fight. He didn't fight. If he went back out there and got his ass beat because the coach told him that he wasn't quitting and he got pummeled, then that sucks and that shouldn't happen. But dude said he didn't want to fight, dude didn't fight. The coach just tried to pep him up and get him back in there, but ultimately he didn't want to and he didn't. <laughs> so what's I mean you can't force a dude to fight if his coach said no you're fighting and the dude stands up and looks at the ref and is like I'm done then he's fucking done like what are you gonna do no that, that that's <laughs> literally the same sentiment I have and like there's like there's nothing wrong with your coach trying to pep you up to get in there yeah but if he forces you to and you get beat to death then well, that's and, a and, problem and two and two it's uh you know um Oh, shit, I don't. I lost my train of thought there. But uh, you know, he's a young, up and coming guy. And so, if this was a you know a solidified guy, a vet, and if you have a guy who is super experienced and on the stool is like, I'm done. As a coach, you know, you should know that guy, and you'll probably you might give him you might give him a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. But I feel like you know, if they're super seasoned, you'll probably be like, hey, this guy's been here time and time and time again, if he says he's done, I'm sure the coach yeah. would have been like, okay, call it. But this kid's, you know, five yeah. and oh, yeah. you know, maybe he needed a little kick in the ass. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I'm we sure, I'm sure Robert was just looking at it like, hey, we've made it this far. You had a great first round. It's one-on-one yeah. or one and one. If you can just come out, get a takedown and just, you know, just work a little bit on top get the you, you can walk away with the decision here and i'm sure that's all robert was thinking we don't even know like where they probably weren't didn't even have time to get a good training camp in like no who knows yeah. how much he was even training people yeah. aren't like hitting it hard right now yeah. i don't think well it's funny because you see this divide uh in the mma community and it's like fighters are all saying robert drysdale did his part you know he was the coach trying to give his guy pep talk and then you have all of the journalists and reporters and guys who really have never competed they're all making it like it's this like uh atrocity that you know oh why would drysdale do they're acting how you should act if he actually went out there and got beat up for another round and didn't need to because he didn't want to exactly that didn't happen so they're like going off like well he shouldn't do that well 
he didn't do that. He didn't make his fighter fight. He just tried to talk him into doing it, and when ultimately he didn't want to, he didn't. So who cares? Exactly. And <laughs> no, no problem. Yeah. And uh, you know, if it, it, it would have, and it just it would have sucked if he would have put himself back into that fight. Because if you're if you're already checked out like that, then you're not going to come out there and win. And no. win, you're going to just try and survive. So. And and I feel like we kind of saw that with uh, who also fought on the card ten, or on Saturday was Raquel Pennington when she fought Nunes. Yeah. She was telling her corner she was done, and I feel like in that case they kind of did force her back in there, and she didn't want to you know disrespect her corner and not go back out there. Experienced and, fighter who's fighting for a belt versus kid who's fighting, fighting for the for first be- time. Yep. In the yep. UFC. Like, yep. It's so much different. No, no, no. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And so I just, uh, I don't, I don't think Drysdale should be coming under fire uh, like he is. I do think it's like, yeah, the, the guy didn't fight. Like he, he didn't go out there and take any extra punishment. You know, yeah, he you was. I know a, a headline I read that I thought I didn't read into it. I don't know if it's true, but uh, Anthony Smith apparently came out saying that he thinks the coach should have, shouldn't have tried to talk him into it. Like, bro, really, bro? You're saying that you think they should pull him out, but not if it's you. Like I'm, I don't. <laughs> but I don't know if that's true. It might have been. I think I, and I didn't click on it. I think I saw <laughs> something like that too. I, I didn't read into it too much yeah. because, dude, so many of the I, I hate these clickbait MMA articles because it's always like. It's always like a small snippet from an interview. That they or, take out of context to make it sound like it's so someone will click on it. Yeah. And you're like, that oh, that's, okay, that's, that's not nothing what you Yeah. <laughs> or, or it's like a tweet, and it's like, I'm sorry, but a tweet isn't a news article. No. Like, you know what I'm not. saying? Like, what? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't understand. But, I mean, if Anthony Smith did come out and say that Drysdale should have stopped that, he needs to take a look in the mirror, and he needs to go watch his last fight back. Yeah. Because, <laughs> shit. Talk about, dude. Talk about a disheartening <laughs> beating. God, that made me not want to watch the sport for a minute. <laughs> I know. Um, but, yeah, again, I I think uh, – I don't think Drysdale should be coming under fire, and I definitely don't think anybody should be, you know, harping on Max for, for – like Chael said, he didn't quit. You know, I mean, yeah. it, you're kind of playing with the terminology a little bit, but it's not – he didn't go in there, give up his back, or fold like Chael was saying. Yeah. He, you know, he exerted as much energy as he could – and there wasn't anything left. Exactly. So it's over. Yeah. Uh, so moving on through the rest of the card, though, we had Lauren Murphy picking up a great win over Roxanne Monteferi. You know, uh, Lauren Murphy's going to continue working up that flyweight divi- that short flyweight division. Um, and then moving up, Tisha Torres. She picked up a great, great, great win over Brianna Van Buren. Uh, Tisha Torres, just as always, you know, high volume, forward pressure, a little tank. And, you know, she's been kind of, she was floating at 115, but you know what? She looks great at straw weight. She might get into trouble uh, at the, you know, the higher end of the vision, which she's not too far away from being. But, you know, uh, even though straw weight is really shallow, I I think it's starting to really form up here. A lot of the girls who uh, were competitive at 115, but didn't really have a lot of life because of the long streaks of uh, Yoana and Rose and all that, Mm -hmm. they're kind of finding new life at straw weight. It sucks that they kind of have a bull at the front of the line in Valentino, but at least this gives them, you know, a little more room to play with. And, you know, if they, if, you know, I, I like when fighters have more options. So maybe I, you can definitely tell the difference between the talent, how the girls 
MMA started way after the guys because the good ones are so far ahead of the rest of them that it's like I, that doesn't really happen in guys MMA too nope. much. Nope. Because the c- competition's right there. The girls, you can see the elite ones are like way, way far, far ahead of the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty apparent. And so like I feel like man, dude, like you know. Right now, it's kind of like there's like the head honchos of each women's division, but I feel like like in five years, I think we're gonna have some real, real athletes. So straw weight is forming up, and uh, you know we'll definitely have to keep our eye on that. But the preliminary card ended with a banger in Clay Guida, Bobby Green. Um, Bobby Green ends up getting the unanimous decision. Um, I can't remember if it, or I can't remember if it was unanimous or split. I think it was split actually. Uh, great fight, looked like a typical Guida fight. You know, Bobby Green kind of cracks me up because he's kind of like the, he, he kind of reminds me of Roy Jones Jr. If you've ever seen Roy Jones Jr. fight in boxing back in the 90s, but he like breaks all the rules. He fires from the hip, he sticks his chin out, he baits you to come in so he can counter because he has great head movement and great reactions. Um, and then Clay Guida, um, you know, I, I was kind of saying this beforehand, Clay Guida, uh, Clay Guida is kind of like coming into his body a little bit late into his 30s where he kind of sits down on his punches more. He's he's kind of predictable in how he sets up his punches, but he's kind of getting a little more sting on them. Um, he did hurt Bobby a couple times in that fight, but, you know, Clay's game really hasn't changed too much over the years. He's just, um, well, he's grounded it more to where he's gotten better at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um I saw an interesting tweet on Twitter, though, and it was saying that, you know, or I should start by saying, you know, if this fight happened, if this Guida Green fight happened before the new rule set on judging criteria, Clay would have won that fight just based off of forward pressure and pressing Bobby uh, Bobby against the cage. And so what's funny is somebody tweeted out that Guida would have, like, way more losses on his record if we were judging his fights on the criteria now back then. And I was going through a lot of his fights, and I was like, you know what? That's probably true. Uh, you know, back in the day, they really, really graded heavy on, you know, forward pressure. And even though you weren't doing anything against the cage, if you held a guy up against the cage for a majority of that fight, you're probably going to win it. And so I think Clay going into this new era, if he wants to stay being competitive, he really needs to find out or find a way to be more offensive in those wrestling positions up against the cage. Mm-hmm. No, Absolutely. Well, first off, I just want to tell you that Clay Guida has the best music to come out to. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Out to five minutes alone from Pantera. Pantera, dude. Like, every time. Yes. Every time, man. <laughs> dude, no, I, I love Clay Guida. But, I mean, yeah, Clay Guida, I mean, he's one of the just one of the veterans that's still there. Probably isn't going to get the title anytime, but he's still fun to watch just because he's so high energy and, like, Oh, he looks like a freaking caveman. <laughs> Dude, I was watching uh, I was watching a video on him on Instagram and it's him on a run and he's like has a good pace. No, I watched it when he's talking yeah. after the fight. Yeah. And dude, he like he's in like he's in motion at a good pace and he's talking completely normal. Normal. At the tone that we are talking right yeah, now. Yeah, not even tired. Not huffing I can't and puffing. Do that shit. I mean, <laughs> I, like he's an incredible athlete. Oh, like for sure. And what I love about guys like Guida is like 
yeah, even though they're, I call them floaters, you know, they kind of float in at the bottom end of the top, or at the bottom yeah. end of the division, or at the, the, at the bottom, bottom of, of the top. top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But he stays motivated. He doesn't nah, get he's, discouraged. He's been up in the top, like, 15, like, around there pretty much his whole career. Yeah. Or, like, right there. Yeah. And it, it's just, I, I, and it's great because you can always count on him bringing it. Like, always. You net, like, Breaking down a Clay Guida fight will never have to be like, I wonder what kind of mental state he's in. No, you know, he's there. No, he's that there. dude is sharp. And, he's uh, ready to go. What's funny, like, dude, Clay Guida is such a, a, a crazy character because it's, he, uh, yeah, he listens to death metal and heavy metal, but then he also listens to, like, California reggae. Like, I've seen him at reggae <laughs> yeah. concerts before in California. I'll be like, oh, my God, that's Clay Guida. And so it's like, dude, that dude is so well-versed. And, like, oh, yeah. he's, he's one of those guys where, man, if I saw I'd be like, dude, let me grab you a beer and let's go hang out for a little bit. Oh, for sure. God. He seems like a cool guy to hang out with, definitely. Yeah, we got to, uh, w- when everything opens back up, we got to track him down, go buy him a beer. <laughs> definitely. But uh, opening up the main card, we had uh, Jim Miller taking out Roosevelt Roberts in a catchweight bout. And, um, you know, in the, in the preview to this, uh, to this card, I was saying, you know, is Roosevelt going to come over the hill or is the veteran Jim Miller going to be too much? And, you know, Jim Miller and, dominated that. Dude, from he the, looked really good. <laughs> no, Jim Miller looked freaking solid. I mean, that, I mean, the whole, yeah, catching the kick. Pouncing on that, p- pouncing on that, yeah, arm uh, bar. Uh, on that armbar. Well, even when he caught the kick and he dropped, uh, and he, you know, uh, Roosevelt dropped to his back. I mean, Jim Miller jumped onto him like his whole life depended on it, and it did. Because yeah. I, you know, uh, Roosevelt Roberts, a long, lanky guy, so Jim Miller really needed to, you know, negate all of that. Mm-hmm. And dude, just put a veteran performance on him. Jim Miller on top is devastating. I mean, he's that he's savage. one of those guys where if he gets on top of you, he's such a vet with his grappling and his top game that he's going to make you feel so small. Oh. And I mean just got the back, goes uh switches over to that arm bar, waited for Roosevelt to pull out. As soon as he pulled out, he extended and that was a wrap. Um great stuff from Jim Miller. Don't really know where he goes from here just because he is that vet. I'm sure the UFC will throw in another up and comer at lightweight Adam to try and put them over so you know, I, I do hope Jim Miller gets, like, a good, fun fight with some other big name. Um, he just, before this, he choked out Clay Guida, so you can't do that right away. But, you know, I'd like to see him fight another guy like Clay Guida, someone in there that's, you know, a little bit longer in the tooth like he is and that can still produce a fun fight because, like Clay Guida, we don't, I, I don't see Jim Miller fighting for a title here anytime soon. No. Yeah. No, no, he's past that part of his career, but he's still making money and looking good at it, so... Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Uh, ex- ex- definitely excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where Roosevelt goes too. But moving on, uh, in the welterweight division, Bilal Muhammad and Lyman Good had a really, really fun scrap. It was kind of all over the place. Bilal came on strong in the first two rounds, started to gas, and then Lyman really came on strong in the third round. And goddamn, we gotta, mm-hmm. we, we gotta take a second for Lyman Good because goddamn is that guy bodied up. I'm not a homosexual at all, but goddamn is he bodied up with that goddamn beard. He's a I don't know how the UFC doesn't put him on uh, like all of the covers of whatever they put out. Like that is a quintessential fighter right there. Like when you when casuals think about fighters, that's probably what they picture. Some some just jack dude with tattoos and a nice jawline with a good beard. Unfortunately for him, came up a little bit short. Bilal Muhammad moves up in the division, but excited to see where both guys go from there. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, Ra Raquel Pennington, you know, we all kind of figured she would walk away with this one. Uh, the first round was kind of even, but Pennington then came through on the second and third round. Um, I really wasn't excited about this fight because of how Pennington has looked as of late against Holm and Nunez. But man, once she got put back with somebody, you know, closer to her skill level, it's a fun fight. Uh, she's definitely shown improvement in volume. She throws a lot more. But yeah, other than that, it was, you know, uh, a great fight. Any, mm -hmm. any comments from you on that one? No. Yeah. That was, you, you covered all that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we covered, uh, we kind of went all over the place with this card. So then we covered the, the main two fights. Anything else you want to talk about with, the, with uh, Curtis Blaze and Volkov or Emmett and Shane Burgos? Nah, I think we pretty much yeah, hit everything. Pretty much that got was that. a great fight. And... Yeah. No, so now there, on the card. <laughs> there isn't too much going on this Saturday uh, outside the main and co-main event. So yeah. let's just uh, let's just get right to the good stuff. So starting off, we got uh, Mike Perry taking on Mickey Gall. Now this fight is a crazy matchup. Perry is heavily he thinks he's like a three to one favorite, and it's kind of crazy because. I wouldn't uh, have thought that. Yeah. I didn't even know that. And what's crazy is because Mike Perry is 6-6 six and six in the UFC. Six wins, six losses. And he's just one of those guys who, yeah, he's really, really tough. Has experience fighting guys at, uh, at a high level. but And he has a lot of power, but really has his yet to... His mind is somewhere else. I don't know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> and, and, and his game really hasn't rounded out. I'm still waiting for that performance where I see him where it's like, man... He's mixing up his striking and his takedowns. He's not making mistakes while he's in somebody's guard. He's only he's, 25, and it shows. He yeah. just seems like he's been around forever, but he's young as shit. He's super young. His, his like, prime isn't for another five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just weird because, like, I, I feel like his game could be making those leaps and bounds if he would commit to, you know, to a good a camp. Good coach. But he did do that at Jackson's, and he said he didn't like the structure. But I feel like well, at Jackson's... Well, you Jack try more than one good camp. Exactly, exactly. Instead of just going to some random girl that you picked up <laughs> from high school. I don't uh, know, what is this? Uh, <laughs> share with the audience what you shared with me earlier about her getting credentialed. Oh, yeah, he got her credentials. She's going to be the only corner he has. He's not bringing a coach. He's bringing his girlfriend. She's the corner man for him, and that's it. He said he's going to listen to the commentators in the other corner because he doesn't want his corner telling him nothing because he's better than them or something. I don't know. That's what, something along those lines. It just sucks because Mike Perry, for as experienced as he is, I mean, look at the guys he's fought, and it's even in his losses have looked really good. So if he found somewhere that really just honed in on his skills, dude, this guy could be a world beater. I mean, with his power, his chin, and his tenacity alone, this guy could be at the top of that welterweight division. But instead, because he has no real guidance, he's just going to be a floater. And what's crazy is, is that Mickey Gall, on the other hand, is the complete opposite. Great grappling. His, his, uh, his submission game is phenomenal. And, you know, he has some trouble with the takedowns. But once he gets the wrestling there, he's going to be a real handful. And so I want to pick Mickey Gall because he is, oh, I, I feel like he is the better fighter. But it's hard because anytime there's been a guy more physical than him, he usually drowns. And yeah. you want to talk about somebody more physical than him, and Mike Perry fits that bill to a T. Yeah. So I really don't know which way to go on this fight. There, you know, the I, I think Mike Perry might bully him, but I don't know. He could just take him down and submit him or something. I have no idea how, like, 
I feel like if Mickey Gall is going to win, it's going to be a submission. It has to be. It has to be. <laughs> no, it has to be. Because, I mean, like, Mickey Gall is going to have to do some OG stuff here and, like, not even fancy uh, stand-up at all. I yeah. mean, he's going to have to be doing some Ben Askren shooting just over and over and over again. Because mm-hmm. I don't see – I mean, he could make a liar out of both of us and go out there and – Maybe just not put win a in the standup. On and well, just take him down and choke him out because it, Mike, it's happened to Mike Perry <laughs> before. Like I don't think it's like impossible for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, like Cerrone did get him pretty good with that armbar. Arm bar, and, and if, and if Cerrone didn't even can look do it, like it was a hard time for no, him, no. And I think Mickey Gall could do the same thing, but I also could see Mickey Gall getting his head taken off and bullied around the ring too. Exactly, so <laughs> exactly. So that's why I love this matchup, even though it's even though it's. Uh, kind of funky i i love it because it's like i really don't know what the hell's gonna happen and i think it's just funny that he's having some little girl corner him i don't dude, even i, I just <laughs> dude, it's like just, apparently she wrestled in high school or something he said but i don't <laughs> i'm not comparing mike perry to john jones but it's almost like shit john jones is so good and you know he was doing all of that like not training and you know going into a fight only being in the gym like a couple days that you know oh we, we all know that story and i almost feel like you know we always say like oh what john jones could have been if he actually didn't get in trouble and he stayed in the gym and and i almost feel that way not that mac perry gets in trouble but i almost feel that way with him where it's like Dude, his potential is all the way up here, but he chooses to stay right, you know, at a lower level because he can't commit to solid training. And he's more worried about which chick is in his corner than, you know, actually the fight itself. Mm-hmm. And so maybe my, maybe his whole thing is, hey, maybe he's looking at it like, like Dana White was saying, this isn't a career, it's an opportunity. Maybe he's saying like, I don't have to be the champ. I can go in there. I can sling my fists. I can either lose or I can win. And I don't really care what I get paid. And as long as I do get a paycheck at the end of the day, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But it's also that's also a dangerous place to be in because UFC is just going to keep throwing you monsters. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got a big enough name. I mean, like, look at the track record already. Uh, Cerrone, Paul Felder, uh, Vicente Luque freaking almost tore off his whole nose. Uh, going back to Cer- Cerrone broke his arm. So I just mean, like, at what point is enough going to be enough for him where he actually decides he wants to take this seriously? I yeah, I see it happening sometime in the next couple of years. Once he gets, so. I think he's just young and stupid right now. That's what he acts like too. Yeah, yeah. I think he just is not matured enough yet to see what he needs to do to go somewhere past where he is. <laughs> uh, gun to your head, who do you pick, Mike Perry or uh, um, Jesus? Why can't I Mickey remember? Yeah, uh, Mickey Gall. There we go. Uh. Uh, I think I I think Mike Perry's gonna bully him around. Yeah, I, I, keep, I do. I see that happening man, more than. I, I see, don't know. I see it. That's it. That's all I keep picturing because when I saw the odds on Bovada, I was like, oh, I'm gonna throw down some money on Mickey Gall. And then right before I did it, I just kept picturing Mike Perry just just, throw, just throwing him on his head and then slamming hammer fists, God. elbows like. He's just gonna bully him, I think. I don't know. It, That's it, just how it looks to me. And I'm probably and you know if if Mickey Gall goes in there, takes him down, and chokes him out real quick, I'm gonna they feel know, so stupid. Yeah. I'm gonna feel so stupid for not putting money on him. But bro, it's the MMA game. It's not like boxing where it's like all right. If like, you would have put the money on him in that situation, that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's usually how my luck works. That is definitely. Usually how my luck works. But then moving on uh, to the lightweight main event, 
We got a barn burner of a fight. We got Dustin Poirier taking on Dan Hooker. Now, uh, just a little bit uh, uh, on these guys going in. I love that face. Oh, yeah. We're, uh, Mike and I are looking at the uh, poster right now, and Dan Hooker's face is just mean. Mean. <laughs> just totally mean. I love it. And then, you know, Dustin over here, Dustin's face over here, it's like he's got some scars and he's got the cauliflower ear. So, you know, that guy's been through some yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Dan Hooker is coming into this fight with a 6-1 and record at lightweight with five finishes. Um, his one loss being to Edson Barboza. Uh, Dustin, too. Uh, you know, a lot of people forget. Dustin is 9-2-1 with uh, uh, 9-2-1 with one no contest um, with six finishes. Then what? The only person Connor knocked him out a long time no, ago? No, no, no. This is just at light. That's just oh. his record at lightweight. Oh, so shit. So at mean. lightweight, he lost to Michael. Michael Johnson slept him. Uh, you know, with a yeah. with a bad left hand, which that could happen to anybody. It was nah. quick, and then the second one was obviously Khabib. Khabib. Um, so both of these guys are are real, real high level finishers at this weight class in a weight class that it's really hard to look good in and be consistent in. And these guys have really run through uh, most lot, of the most division. Of them, yeah. I mean, Dustin. I think. I mean, Dustin has fought Max Holloway. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, Khabib. I mean, this guy's fought the best guys. And Hooker's on his way Gagey. there. Gage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dustin. Dude, <laughs> the amount of champions that Dustin has fought is insane. And so for him going... That's why it was just so weird when they when he took this fight because, you know, he really should be fighting somebody else that's like right, right there. And I'm not saying Hooker isn't there, but you would almost... You, uh, you wouldn't put it against... Poirier if he waited for somebody that could put him right up in another title fight. And so what's weird about this matchup is I feel like if Hooker wins, he does get put next in line after Gaethje. But Poirier, I still feel like we'll need at least one or two more wins in order to put himself back up there. If, however, if Gaethje wins, I guess this all depends on if Gaethje wins, beats Khabib or not. Because if Gaethje beats Khabib, well, actually, I don't know. Because if Gaethje beats Khabib, they probably do a rematch, do a rematch. right? Oh, yeah. Khabib gets a rematch. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So it's going to be kind of awkward for Poirier. So I guess this is kind of a, a, a smart matchup yeah, to take. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to stay busy, make some money, there's nowhere else. Like, Yeah, but this is a dangerous fight in Hooker. I mean, his Poirier's strength is definitely stand-up. I mean, his boxing, his angles, his power, devastating. But Hooker early is so lengthy and awkward and uh, comes at weird angles too. And he doesn't have the volume that Poirier has. But, dude, he has a way of stinging you on the end of your punches where you see guys just complete. Like, they, they almost don't expect it. No. So the, they, the look of bewilderment on their face is insane. Um, kind of breaking down the analytics a little bit. I feel like Hooker's going to come on strong early and then kind of fade out late. So if Poirier, you know, can... Dustin keeps his power through the end every time. Even when he's exhausted, he will still knock your fucking head off. That's my issue. Cause, <laughs> With both hands. Because Hooker was looking great in that Felder fight for the first two rounds. And then somewhere around the middle of the third round, once his, once his, pace, started, uh, once his pace started lowering, he started getting more flat-footed. And then it allowed Felder just to tee off on him. And Poirier is not somebody you want in front of you if you're getting tired and being a, a stagnant, uh, you know, punching bag. So I'm really curious to see what happens in this fight. And 
I just hope it doesn't end in the first round. I hope neither guy catches each other with something flashy and a ref comes in and stops it. Not prematurely, but you know, I, or obviously I don't want that to happen. But I, I just hope this, does, this goes past the first round. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I Honestly, I think that Dustin's going to come out with the win. I think he's going to finish him like the third. I just think uh, the problem with Dustin is he does he he does kind of like to do that push pull thing where he'll take a couple shots just so you overcommit a little bit so then he can come in on you, and I just worry about that early late. I'm not too worried about it because uh, uh, hookers like like we said hooker kind of fades off late, mm-hmm. but man early you got to watch out for that guy oh, for sure. You got to watch out for him, um, and so I mean. We'll see what kind of what kind of uh, changes Poirier's made since coming off of that uh, Khabib loss. And two, though, uh, I always like when you get a mix of momentum. Hooker's, you know, riding high off those three fights against uh, knocking out Vic, beating out Ally Quinta, and coming off that close fight against Paul Felder. And then Poirier, he had that great run, you know, all the way through Max Holloway, mm-hmm. and then you know got stopped by Khabib. So he's kind of on a rebuilding path where Hooker's shooting. So we'll see where the momentum, you know, where they collide. Yeah. Um, super fantastic main event, though. I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm getting nervous just thinking about it right now. Yeah. When those guys are staring at each other in the cage, man. Uh, another thing to, to think about, too, you know, Hooker's reach and length um, can't, you know, it hasn't really been a problem for Poirier in the past, but if Hooker can really analyze, you know, a lot of Dustin's other fights, he could have a great game plan coming in. I yeah. mean, that Hooker's camp with the Adesanya and, and all and Volkanovski, they can give him a lot of good looks that they can. Yeah, there's some skilled strikers yeah. that they can probably do exactly mimic like him they, pretty well. They can emulate Poirier probably to a T. And, and what's great about that camp is those guys are all savages, but they all do their homework. Yep. They, t- they put a lot of time into coming up with game plan. And it looks like these, those guys are just straight savages going out there with no game plan and, you know, getting the job done. But they, but, but no. no, dude, they, they, they find a game plan, they stick to it, they practice it, and then they, you know, they execute it in the fight. And uh, it's just a testament to how hard those guys work. So, oh, yeah, they're freaking awesome. I'm Absolutely. also curious to see, uh, you know, after this, if Poirier says anything. If I, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of Colby questions. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what the drama is there. Um, but that, you know, uh, yeah. that kind of concludes that card uh, at the top. Um, but you know what, Mike? Let's, let's have a little bit of fun right now. Uh, here. You know what? Uh, yesterday was my birthday, and it was also... Oh, the- shit. My bad. Happy birthday. Yeah, no, dude. No, thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> I don't look at Facebook. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dude, I deleted that a long time ago. I'm not even on there. It wouldn't have All even right. came up. There you go. But, uh, dude, yesterday was the 18th anniversary of Don Fry and Yoshihiro Takayama. <laughs> dude, so uh, for those of you guys listening, me and Mike are about to watch some highlights. From Pride, uh, this was 2002, when Don Fry Look and his mustache. Oh my God! Let's just watch these Look highlights at real quick. That oh man! Rock'em sock'em robot. These guys both have a collar tie and are just slamming their fists in each other's faces repeatedly. And look at these Japanese guys in the back. They are acting like they're watching some anime porn right now. They are going <laughs> nuts. <laughs> oh man. 
Oh, oh now they're, they're so tired already. <laughs> so tired already. Oh, man. Oh, look at this. Oh, and they yeah, still just going right at it. right back at it. Look at that. Oh, it's all oh, Fry's mouthpiece just goes. God. Dude, Whoa. can you believe this fight was 18 years ago? <laughs> it's not nuts. Like, I, I mean, I've seen this fight. I've seen the highlights and of this fight I so many times. I saw Don fight at a... Uh... <laughs> at a little crappy MMA thing in my what, college town somebody in somebody's long backyard time ago in uh, in Michigan yeah dang it was the oh. headline fight on like some crappy MMA event that was like king of the cage or something really I did think, he win yeah how'd he win it was a boring fight <laughs> yeah because I'm sure he was 50 when yeah, it happened it, he was old it was boring <laughs> oh man but yeah uh I can't I, like Dude, when I saw that that was 18 years ago, I was bewildered. I was like, man, I still feel like, like if you would have said 10 years ago, or I guess more, longer than that, obviously, but I was like, man, I can't believe that was 18 years ago. And that was like right around the height of Pride too. So it's almost funny to think about how long ago, like how long it's been since Pride went under and how many great fights they had. But it's like, man, that was a long time ago. Yeah, had some good fights. God. For sure. And finally, Pride gets the stoppage here after Mountain... He can't even uh, get Yoshihiro. up. It pats him on the chest. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Oh was man, that? I don't know if they're gonna show it here, but dude, uh, Yoshihiro's face after was just completely oh, swollen. Just a fuck. Completely a swollen. Oh, and I just realized that I am not connected to Mike's internet here, so hopefully this one plays too. And it is because it's already buffered. There you go. In two that. days, though, will also be the anniversary of another legendary uh, MMA and UFC fight, uh, Chet Congo and Pat Barry. Uh, dude, this for a while, I mean, this today still stacks up with best comebacks of all time. If not the best, it's definitely top three. And yeah, I, I think my, you yeah, can connect to it. I think my internet is going to shit out here. If Let me want. see. Let's see if we can just connect this real quick. Which one is it? Guess which one it is. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I don't even want to tell people what this is. You want to type that in real it's quick? If you got... Fat sloth, bro. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Let's see if this goes through just so we can reminisce a little bit. There we go. Oh. No, I'm not. Don't lie to me, computer. Me and Kia. God damn it. One second, guys. I apologize. Uh, just sorry, guys. One second. Can't believe I gotta fucking start work tomorrow. Ah, uh, dude, I would be totally upset. I can just edit this part out. My bad, Mike. One second. Don't worry. Boom. Uh, but yeah, this is a, you know, this is a, a, a legendary um, MMA fight here. Uh, this is back when both Chet Congo and Pat Barry were like right on the cusp of a UFC title show. I mean, they weren't they weren't like next in line, but they, they were making their way. Both guys were devastating strikers. Chet Congo came in with devastating striking, but then really turned his game into kind of a wrestling heavy ground and pound. But this was just, I mean... Uh, a battle of specimens here, and nobody really knew what was going to happen. I think Pat Barry was favored just because he was a little bit hotter at the time, 
had more stoppages. I think at this point, Czech Congo had come off of a couple bad stoppages, one against Frank Mir. Um, and I think Roy Nelson, no, maybe the Roy Nelson fight hadn't happened yet, but still was having some bad fights. So this was nuts. Do you remember where you were? Do you remember watching this fight live? I don't remember. I have no idea. I know I've seen it before. I don't think I watched it live, though. Really? Oh, man. Dude, Maybe I, I did. When was it? Uh, this was a while. I mean, like, this is, I think, UFC on Versus. Or I think this may still be yeah, on Spike. Sure. So this was this was a long, long time ago. Yeah, but I probably just saw. We're going to... Uh, this is great, then. If you don't really remember it, then this is perfect. So it looks just, like it's pretty quick, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is uh, this is up there. Yeah, I honestly can't even tell you who wins this. Are you serious? You don't remember this? Wow. I, Mike has shown his Mike has shown his colors here. So they start. Pat Barry's coming out swinging. For those, I mean, if you call yourself an MMA fan, you should definitely know what happens here. I don't know what the hell's going on with Mike over yeah, here. Not remembering this one. Nah, <laughs> I'm just giving him shit. This is definitely one of those fights where if a, if somebody hasn't and is not too familiar with MMA, this is always one of the first ones I show them. Um, I think this happened in 2011, so we're we're about like this is like the eight eight year anniversary I think on Friday of this fight. Checking each other out here. Oh nasty! Oh man, Pat Barry's leg kicks, man. Especially at heavyweight, God, like check check Congo already being light on his feet, but gives a leg kick of his own. I think his was harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah check Congo really being light on that front foot. Oh, slams him with another nice leg kick in there. Dude, what's funny is like everyone talked about check Congo, like we talk about Francis nowadays. But, like, Francis is way bigger than Czech is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is nuts because Czech Congo's freaking huge. He is a monster. Czech Congo backing up against the cage. Hits him. Pat Barry with a nice one, too, though, and gets back to the center. Couple Ooh, feints. Shit. Couple feints. Czech Congo coming Thinks in with Roy the kicks. Jones Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Barry uh, pushing up against the cage again. little tentative something's about to happen they're both just fainting and not committing i mean at heavyweight you see that a lot man but check congo man those leg those leg kicks gnarly. especially going up against somebody with devastating leg kicks like pat berry but that is the best way to fight a leg kicker is to leg kick them yeah oh yeah can't kick people hard when your legs hurt <laughs> <laughs> I should have probably skipped into this a little bit more, but oh boom. my! Pat Barry just oh look at look at oh. Chet Congo looks dead. Oh, Mergliano about oh. to stop it. Chet Congo goes in for the takedown. Ooh, and oh, and clocks him on the exit. God, Chet Congo looking like a fish out of water here, oh. just scrambling. Look okay. at look at that head Is movement. Chet Congo gonna win this? And then oh well, boom! Oh, hits him with a nice left hand. Oh, oh, and Pat Barry. Look at Pat Barry's eyes. Pat Barry was Ooh. looking at the nosebleeds. Woo! Look at Pat Barry is dead. Look at Pat. Look at look at his leg. Pat Barry's leg is folded under him. Oh no! Oh my God! After he had that. Oh my <laughs> God! Right? That's a comeback there. Isn't I love that it. nuts? God. 
That, that's what I'm saying. That's like if not, if still not the best comeback, it's definitely up there. I mean, oh definitely. This happened in two thousand. I think I'm pretty sure it's 2011 or 2012. But I mean, we've had a lot of crazy comebacks since then. But this still, this this is still all the way up it's there. One of the best, especially for one round fights. God damn. I mean, yeah, let's look at this. There's a lot that happened. Oh, oh, that I mean, had to hurt. Oh, that was checked. That was uh, freaking needed uh, knee almost. Just gets dropped. Look at this part. Oh man, and and look right here. Oh man. Oh, and then they, he just gets him. Oh, oh two of them. That right shovel hook. Right when he came back from it, he's like, "Yeah." God, that <laughs> shovel hook. God, we got to see that again. Oh, from a different Good. angle now. Look at. Oh, it just comes right up the middle. It, it, it wasn't like a uppercut or a hook. It just came at that 90 degree yeah. angle and just slapped. Like what's crazy is Pat oh, Barry. Like he just, just he just shuts down. His whole body just shuts off. His arm, his whole body goes like, Oh man! But yeah, when I saw that was coming up uh, on a, on the anniversary, I was like, oh man, we gotta we gotta reminisce a little bit. That is awesome. Gotta look at the disappointment on Pat Berry's face. Oh, Poor okay, guy. one more time, one more time here. Oh, that's where uh, Chet gets dropped. And look, he looks dead right here. Like, I'm... Like, he right there, right he looks out! I'm surprised. And oh, he had a, almost did it! He almost <laughs> stopped He it. even touched his he back! He touched him! Oh! He touched God, him. and then he goes down again and just weathers the storm. Oh, man. Walk. Walk and then boom! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Out! God! Oh, one more, one more. I mean, I could watch this all day, but one <laughs> and oh, that right, dude! Do you see the way his arms just flop? Yeah. Like that was no like you know where guys kind of still remain conscious, but their yeah, whole body but they no. can't move or do anything. No, no. Chet Congo hit the emergency shutoff button yeah, right on his it chin. Is over. God. He powered down. God. Well, that was fun reminiscing. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's get into a uh, let's get into one more piece of news. Um, heading into the next big pay per view. Uh, so for the big, uh, you know, uh, July 11th card, you know, Usman and Gilbert Burns will be the main event. They're both teammates at Henry Hoofs, but Usman uh, left Hoofs camp. And it doesn't seem like it's just for this camp, but it will be ongoing after this one. And he's making really? a full, yeah, he's making a, a full transition to team elevation with Trevor Whitman. So he'll be this, joining. Was this planned before or was this like a contingency if Gilbert got so, a shot? Or? So he said uh, from, I, I didn't watch the whole interview, but what he said was is he was planning on going somewhere where he could get a little more specialized training. Team elevation is a big camp. But Trevor Whitman only um, only coaches guy. or only coaches a few guys from there uh, specifically, and so I guess Usman is the next guy coming into that little circle nice. uh, with Rose, uh, Rose and Justin Gaethje to say the least. But he's also joining guys like Curtis Blades, Neil Magny, um, you know, a lot of those uh, Drew Dober, uh, a lot of savages. Uh, so I think that's a for his style. I feel like that's a great fit for him. Oh heck yeah. I think he'll do good there for sure. I, I think it's really going it, to, to me, it's scary for the rest of the guys in the division because if Usman can really tighten up that striking, 
It's going to be bad news. I mean, for a lot people, of people people call him the boogeyman now, but if he starts sleeping guys or at least starts holding his own on the feet against guys who are prophetic on the feet, I I, I mean, he could yeah. go on a rain. He could go on a rain like uh, like GSP. He could yeah. be he could go on a rain like GSP. And what's crazy is we all thought that would would have been Woodley. You know, Woodley may have just gotten there a little bit too late. Uh, you know, in his, in his game, in his career. But Usman, man, he's got all the time in the world, all the time. So, um, and uh, Gilbert Burns is staying. See, and this is where it gets weird with Gilbert Burns is because Gilbert Burns is staying at Henry Hoof's, but Hoof isn't training him. So he's using the other oh, coaches that are, Hoof doesn't want to get in the middle of it. Which I, I kind of feels weird. I mean, if, if Usman's leaving, then why? I, just I, because he knows too much about Usman, or I think I don't it's know. I, I think it's because they they've had. Such, I mean, Usman has been or Hooft has he been. Probably feels U- like he'd be betraying Usman by. Doing well, that's exactly that. what it is because uh, Hooft's been Usman's uh, uh, coach since the Black Zillion days. Like since Usman came on to the. That makes sense then. Why yeah, he wouldn't want to do it even if he was moving. Hooft was game. the uh, was the main striker. Was the head striking coach and I think overall head coach at Black Zillions when they had that team. But then when that thing hold disband, he opened up his own gym, and a majority of those Black Zillion guys just went to Hoof's gym. So I feel like for him, it's just he doesn't. But then at the same time, I'm like, dude, you, you like, just because you're losing Usman, you still have Burns, and Burns has been with you just as long. So that does put you in a weird spot. And I, again, I'm not Hoof, but I definitely feel like I probably would have been like, all right, if you're leaving, I gotta train, I gotta train Burns. Like I'm sorry, but. You know, he's my guy. I got to do what's best for him in the gym if you're leaving. You know, so be it, if roles were reversed, I would do the same thing for you. But, you know, I don't have that personal relationship, and that's just me saying from the outside in. Yeah. Who do you think this benefits, though? Who do you think it benefits more? Do you think it's a detriment to Burns, and this puts this, this stacks the chips higher in Usman's favor, or do you still feel like this is a pretty even-keeled fight? I feel like... Uh... They have both trained together for a long time, so they already know each other pretty well, and no coach is going to change. It's just they're going to go out and fight. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> and yeah. That's just how it is. And I think that they've both, yeah, they've d- both trained enough together that they know what to expect from the other one. And that's just how it's going to be. And one camp somewhere else isn't going to really necessarily change everything that's exactly that how that, that's exactly how i was looking at it uh these guys really After know each he other as a few camps at trevor whitman's is when you're gonna see the results of that i don't think you're even gonna see results that have anything to do with that camp you're right fight. you're right it's gonna take a couple of fight yeah. camps you're right and because that's that's the other side of the wrinkle is is like Usman knows what burns is going to be doing because he's seen that routine over and over and over again but Burns doesn't know what Usman will be doing with Whitman. But then twofold, those guys have been training for so also, long together. It's not going to be training Gilbert. So right. they could switch the plan up with whoever he decides Brings to in. coach with. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Whoever he decides to be his coach for this camp. This is just an extra ring. And, you know, we always talk about stakes and stuff like that going into these fights. And it's just one more wrinkle that makes that fight super, super interesting. And I really can't wait to see what happens. Does... You know, does Usman continue on this like boogeyman persona or does Burns come in and show you, yeah, I took this fight for nothing, but now I'm the champ. So give me something. So it's one more thing, you know, to look at. One more thing before we get out of here, though. I spoke about it last week about Amanda Nunes coming out saying she wants to retire and Dana White. 
kind of changing his tone how he deals with most of these things most of the time he's like hey if they're talking about retiring then they should probably retire with amanda however he comes out and says she shouldn't do it and he'll kill her um which kind of shows that amanda in amanda's dilemma even though it's different than everybody else's she kind of holds the leverage uh, yeah. I said this last week in my breakdown um, that you know if if she does retire, they're gonna they will probably close 145. No, nah, he already and said Dana can and Dana ended up coming out this past weekend and doubling down on that. So that will be the death of 145. 135 will be up in the air. What's your take on it? I mean, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, she wants to have a baby and retire, and she's already beat literally everyone the only even fight on the horizon that anybody's talking about happening is like her and shevchenko which has already happened twice and, and we saw wins. the outcome of yeah. it so i mean it's like there really is anybody else what she's gonna sit here and just stomp people which would be a good living for a while for her. i don't really honestly if i was in her shoes i'd be like all i have is easy fights on the horizon and big paydays <laughs> I mean, all right, you want me to hang out? Then let's renegotiate my contract, and I'll stay here and stomp everyone for as long as you want if you pay me. She's and her a, leverage of saying that is way better than anybody else's. To a T. Because, <laughs> I mean, there is there ain't anybody at 145 for She's cleaned out 135 so bad that she's retired everybody at the top. She's yeah. retired Ronda. She retired Misha. Holly Holm hasn't been the same. Uh, Kent Zinganu isn't there anymore. She's in Bellator. Now she beat so, Alicia Spencer. So, be, yeah, literally everybody. I mean, everybody. And what's awesome though is, yeah, she kind of is in the ultimate fuck you position to where she could ruin two divisions in the UFC by leaving. Where UFC, where got where the in the men's divisions, UFC goes. You think you're hurting us by by staying out? You're only hurting yourself. We will put yeah, like in we have a bunch of other guys right here. Like in in uh, in that. Masvidal's position, Burns took it for less money. In Henry Cejudo's position, Jan and Jose, they just threw Jan and Jose Aldo in there where they can't really do that in the women's division. Mm -hmm. So this really puts all of the chips in Nunez's corner. And so Absolutely. I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens here because I think this is the first time I've ever seen besides... Because, I mean, even Connor, when Connor tries to, to leverage the UFC, yeah, he tends to get his way, but it's usually at a cost. Like, mm. usually both of them have to compromise to come together. Mm. Where I feel like Nunez really, really has yeah, she all She can of be like, take it or leave it. If she's happy retiring... Great. Is Dana happy losing a freaking division and possibly two? Possibly two. I doubt it. Yeah. So, because who are you gonna promote at one thirty-five? Yeah, I guess you could throw Holly Holm in there and have her be the third best of all time, or you know, some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> third best of all time. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. Like, yeah, you could market her because, yeah, I'm sure you could still pump up the oh, the one who stopped Rousey, but it's like, okay, that was four years ago. No. Yeah. So, or five years ago, almost five years ago. So I, I, I feel like Amanda is in a really good spot here. And uh, again, uh, with all of these contract disputes and all these stars being kind of on the whim, I'm, I'm interested to see where hers goes in relation to everybody else. Uh, but I think that's all we got for you today, guys. Thanks, Mike, for having me uh, come over and set up shop so we could uh, record this at your place. Uh, thank you guys uh, for listening. And until next time, uh, 
Take it easy. Peace.